Welcome to the Chicago Open Archives podcast, a production of Chicago Area Archivists. This is one of a series of interviews that we're calling Archival Origin Stories, in which we talk to Chicago Area Archivist members about what they do, how they found themselves doing what it is that they do, and why archival work matters. I'm Andy Stedham past chair of the Chicago Area Archivists Steering Committee and senior archives specialist in heritage communications at Rotary International. I'm here with Tom Colley, archive and collection manager for Video Data Bank at the School of the Art Institute of Chicago. Tom, thank you. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to Chicago Open Archives Podcast. Uh, Thank you very much. When you meet somebody from outside of the profession for the first time, how is it that you describe what it is that you do? It first starts with me trying to judge how much they actually want to know. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> if I don't think they're going to do any follow-up questions, I just tell them I'll li- I'm a librarian. <laughs> really? Just yeah. the shorthand just goes straight to the like, you know what that is. So. Right. <laughs> so I don't have to explain much more. If, um, if it's somebody who I think will uh, actually care a little bit or... Um, want to know more, I will say that I'm a moving image archivist Mm. and then explain that a little bit saying that I preserve old videotapes and digitize them, which is something that most people sort of understand. Um, Oh, I have some old VHS tapes in my closet. Right. And then we can go into that conversation and I can like give them some basic advice of how they get their old family video. And that, that's sort of like the, the easy answer. If, um, if somebody really wants to know more, there's the whole question of, because I work at the Video Data Bank, we're an archive and distributor of video art, and so trying to explain what video art becomes the real problem (laughs) when I, that's the real stumbling block, because most people, unless they're experienced in the art world, may or may not have encountered experimental video art, and so um, that can be a, a more complicated discussion, so I usually just sort of keep it to yeah, there's a, a collection of videotapes at the School of the Art Institute that I um, take care of. Mm. But uh, yeah, that's the various levels of explaining yeah. <laughs> what I do. Right. Do you ever get questions for those you know minority of folks who are really interested in learning more about it, who then want your advice about? archiving their own videos or their own things? Yeah, definitely. Um, and that is, it, it's fun because it, uh, it it's fun to talk to people about um, what I do and try to relate maybe what I do professionally to a scale that may, makes sense for their personal collections mm-hmm. or I will encounter people, you know, particularly if I'm you know, at some sort of conference or, or, you know, that would make sense that I would encounter people, but like maybe not just a moving image conference, but mm-hmm. some sort of other archival conference where people like, oh, we have this collection of videotapes. We have like 40, 50 tapes in the closet that we don't really deal with. So that's that's exciting to be able to, because there, there are a number of resources out there that can be really useful and helpful to people that but may not know exactly where to start. And yeah. It's a videotapes and film and audio materials are often, you know, in in certain sorts of archival settings, they're the stepchildren or like the forgot about. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I think they are kind of the stepchildren. 
But the flip side is there really are a lot of resources. In fact, there are so many resources that it can be pretty daunting. So I would imagine that you would be a pretty great resource (laughs) in yourself just to say, read this. Right. (laughs) There's every bit of information out there on the internet that you could want, but trying to find a good place to start Mm is, it's good to have a personal human tell you something. (laughs) Exactly. All right. Well, so this series is called Archival Origin Stories. Let's hear you talk a little bit about how it is that you found yourself in this role. It's sort of a circuitous path. Let's start back in the beginning. Mm. <laughs> I, uh, I, always, uh, I was always a collector as a kid mm-hmm. and stuff. I collected comic books and records mm-hmm. and you know, things like that. And um, so I've always been sort of interested in, you know, I would cataloging to a degree mm-hmm. of, of like my various collections of things. And so I had an interest in you know, vague terms, sort of like uh, what we do as archivists. But mm-hmm. uh, then in, in college, I did art and video production mm-hmm. and made my own films and videos and stuff. And so, like, I, I did production. And uh, then getting out of school, I ended up working at anybody who's listening to this from Chicago, um, Earwax Video, and uh, also a cafe. I started, you know, looking for a job out of college. I ended up like washing dishes and cooking at this cafe. And then <laughs> I got, got to move upstairs to the video store. So I was, you know, I, I was like the video store guy, like in the movie Clerks or whatever, you know, <laughs> if anybody who's listening to this is old enough to remember video <laughs> stores, um, that was me for a while. And so everyone in this recording <laughs> yes. studio knows what you're talking about. <laughs> so yeah, I did that for a little while. Um, and then a friend of mine, had gotten a job at the video data bank and they needed a part-time person to come in and just do shipping and receiving and make um, VHS dubs to send out to people who are renting copies of the work. And it paid a little bit more than the minimum wage I was (laughs) making at the video store. And so, yeah, I was like, yeah, sounds great. And I already had like a familiarity with video art and stuff from my studies in school. So, you know, I got into into the video data bank sort of before I got into the idea of being an archivist mm-hmm. and uh, being, and then I guess about three years into me working there part-time, they decided they needed to really sort of up their game with uh, um, dealing with the collection in a more professional archival sort of way and were changing my position to a full-time position and they asked me if I wanted to a roll into that. Mm-hmm. And so I said, yes. Mm-hmm. And I went back to school part-time and got a library degree from Champaign-Urbana doing the LEAP program that mm-hmm. they have, the long distance program. And yeah. And so then I started like going to conferences and really throwing myself into becoming a moving image archivist in a way. And I, I mean, I, I tell people, I, I, I feel like I'm sort of like the last generation of people who kind of fell into moving image archiving before places like NYU mm-hmm. and then UCLA and some other places started these master's programs. Yeah. And so I'm sort of kind of fell into it right before those programs started. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I kind of, it was through the interest in the medium yeah. um, that got me into the organization that then had the need for me to train myself. Being from having a production background was really useful because sure. a lot of 
video preservation work is you know using the tools of production to uh, um, copy migrate digitize the work so yeah and have a fundamental understanding of how it was made in the first place exactly yeah which was it's very useful when I was still in college making videos the early 90s it was still analog videotape to videotape sure. it was the very beginning of a little bit of digital stuff but it wasn't uh, the tools were expensive and you know the computer in the library had one gig huge hard drive mm-hmm. which we could use to like create title screens and mm-hmm. it was like would use the entire um, memory to create like one little title sequence or something so it, I was like right on the cusp, so I had like some basic training in the old stuff. So like now, when I deal with older video, I understand, like you said, the uh, the methods of how it's made and, yeah. and the materiality of it. And so it's been interesting to uh, you know, sort of span that era and now the digital era. Absolutely. I think it's important to evangelize that yeah. preservation is important, particularly with video, and uh, we need to. Um, work on that and think about it and um and the clock is ticking yes yeah (laughs) um yeah and you know moving image material is a huge part of the last 30 40 years um 50 years now of our histories and i think like we were talking earlier about people's personal collections like you know I think home video is like a huge mm-hmm. record of culture and different cultures in America and like just like the things that people don't necessarily write about. And so I think that that kind of material is important for people to really think about, like not just archivists, but also like general public thinking about their own histories and, and that it's, you know, something that needs to be addressed to keep around. So now that you're in this role, you've, yes. you've, you've arrived, uh, <laughs> um, what is your typical day at Video Data Bank like? Oh, it's it's changed. I mean, I've been at the Video Data Bank since 1999, so mm-hmm. 20 years now. Um, and my time has changed dramatically of mm-hmm. what, like, my day-to-day work is completely different than mm-hmm. what it was when I started. Describe, if you can, yeah. a little, like, uh, okay. br- briefly, maybe, so, the evolution so t- that you're talking about. Okay, so the the... The, the evolution of it is that, I mean, much of it's the same, but when I first started, everything was all videotape. Yeah. You know, when we're, you know, a lot of what we do isn't just archival work, it's distribution work. So a, lo- a part of my job is to create the access copies that go out into the world to be screened at a festival or shown in a classroom mm-hmm. or exhibited in a museum. And so back in the day, it was go get the Submaster and put it in a Betacam SP deck and... Mm-hmm take wires and hook it up uh, through patch bays and record it to a VHS or whatever uh, format that was going out and, you know, making copies to send out that way. Now everything is all digital files. Yeah. And so, uh, and in the process from going, making tapes that way, we had to digitize everything. And I started working on that in 2009. And that was a lot of my day to day for a while was just digitizing the collection. And then a few years later, uh, about five years later, we were able to hire Kristen McDonough, Mm -hmm. who was with us for three years and really sped up our digitization process. So now everything's pretty much digitized. Mm -hmm. So a lot of my day-to-day, for fulfilling orders at least, is uh, now processing digital files. Because once it's digitized, it's not necessarily a file that you can send out. You can't send out the master copy. You have to then transcode it to a compressed file or 
some other format to send out. Well, Tom, I want to thank you yeah. for joining me. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure listening to you talk about your work. Oh, great. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please check out other interviews in this series. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Chicago Area Archivist COA podcast. We would like to thank our gracious interviewees, the Chicago Area Archivist Steering Committee, Engineer Allison Shine-Holmes, WFMT, and the Project Chair, Danielle Nowak, for their time and efforts. To hear more, you can find both Season 1 and 2 of the COA podcast available on YouTube. For more information on the Chicago Area Archivists, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or our website, chicagoarchivists.org.